Corpo MX Network Production. This is the Rocky Mountain ATV MC Kiefer Tested Podcast. The podcast you come to for the straight insight on all things motocentric. Hard parts, bikes, gear, suspension, motor mods, and more. It's Kiefer Tested. Here he is, Chris Kiefer. Hey everybody, how's it going? Thank you for joining me. This is the RockyMountainATVMC.com Husqvarna VIP podcast. You heard that right. The only podcast out there that talks about strictly Husqvarna motorcycles, TCs, FCs, off-road bikes, anything Husqvarna related. This is the podcast to listen to. If you're interested in buying a Husqvarna, good podcast to listen to. Hey, already a Husqvarna owner? Great podcast to listen to. So thank you for Husqvarna for uh, joining forces with me to get these podcasts out to you guys where we basically go over settings, tips, tricks, anything that you guys would like to know. I've got several emails on shows that you guys would like to see for Husqvarna. So we are here for another episode. It's been a little bit, but you know what? We had to ride this bike and get you guys some proper settings, try to guide you in the right direction. But we are back as promised. We already did the FC 450. If you guys haven't listened to that episode, please do yourself a favor and go back. Take a listen. It's a good one. We have baseline settings, some tips, some tricks, rider triangle settings, all different kinds of stuff that you may have not heard. Lots of information. We have fun with these things. As always, dirt bikes are fun, so it's not robotic podcasting. Come on now. You guys know what we do here. So we're here again for another episode, and this episode is all about the FC250. If you have a 2020 Husqvarna FC250, well, today's your lucky day. We're going to lay down some settings and uh, most importantly, get you guys set in the right direction so you can enjoy your Husqvarna and then uh, tell your buddies how good your settings are. And you don't have to even use my name. You can just say, dude, I came up with this on my own. I am a badass test rider. That'd be a good one, right? <laughs> so we have spent a lot of time on this FC250. We have tested this thing at several dif- different types of tracks, had a couple different size test riders, and of course I had a lot of influence on these settings as well. But nonetheless, we had the chance to really dissect this thing more, not just trying to compare it with other bikes, to try to really hone in on how we can make this thing a little bit better for you, more comfortable, easier to ride, so on and so forth. And for a little kicker, for a special little addition here on this podcast, we actually got to ride basically what they call a B-level racing FC250 spec. I was fortunate enough to get the call from Andy Jefferson to ride this sucker. I always like to ride a stock bike and then basically a full modded bike back-to-back. I got a chance to do this. I know a lot of race teams that could (laughs) really do this kind of testing because I know some of these race teams actually just slap a bunch of crap on their production bikes, expect it to be better, but sometimes they end up going backwards. So we're going to talk a little bit about this, what I like to call a pro-am spec. So you see these kids out racing Loretta's on this Rockstar Husqvarna team. Basically, this is the engine spec that I have 
had the chance to ride and test and really dissect. And I'll give you guys some information on what that was, where you can get some of those parts, and how you can make your Husqvarna a little bit more racier if that's what you're looking for. So lots of cool things in this podcast. And of course, as you guys know, if there is anything you guys would like to hear about your Husqvarna, please email me, chris at keferinktesting.com. I'm more than happy to listen to you, to read your emails, and consider your suggestions. That's right. We listen to you guys out there. Unlike other people that I know, we really try to take in what you guys want and provide that information and that content to you guys. So um, very fun stuff for us to listen to and very fun stuff for us to actually talk about because I like to get you guys involved as well. So let's break this thing down real quick. 2020 FC250. Great bike. Top three in the shootouts most likely. Um, if it, it's past that, I really don't know how uh, it could be down that far in the shootout category. But honestly, uh, one of the easier engines to ride. It's not a huge torque monster. It's very light feeling. The cockpit of this actually provides a lot of comfort for taller guys. The bar band on this thing is a pro taper bar, but the bar band is actually a little bit low. So we will discuss that and how to raise that up and try to get you a better bar bend if you're a little bit taller. But getting back to this engine, the engine is actually just like its bigger brother, the FC450. It's deceivingly fast. We discussed some of this on the Racer X podcast with Rich Taylor and Steve Mathis. But to me, the rear wheel connection on this FC250 is very high. It has a smooth roll-on power delivery, and then it just climbs into a really broad mid-to-top end range and has... One of the best over-revs in the 250 class. This is a mid-to-top-end monster. This bike can pull the largest of riders very good up on top. So there is no problem to uh, really rev out this bike. Or maybe you just want to be lazy. Maybe you want to let that second gear eat a little bit more. Or maybe you want to let third gear pull out a little bit more. This bike does those things very well. But... What do we really want out of this motor? I would like to see a little bit more torque. Of course, right? Don't we all? Doesn't matter what ability you are, what size rider you are, what type of riding you are, you would like a little bit more torque. So what exactly is the best way to achieve that? For me, without dumping a whole mess amounts of money into this thing, the best thing you can do is get your stock ECU remapped. Yes, you can do that. You can unplug your ECU. You can send it into Jamie at Twisted. I know for a fact I've ridden with Jamie's stuff. His remapped ECUs help throttle response, help a little bit off the bottom end, and of course gives you some more mid-range pulling power. The benefit to this thing, it just helps this bike run a little bit cleaner. And of course, slightly better free wheel feeling. And if you don't know what free wheel feeling is, it's just less decel braking off throttle. If there is one thing that I noticed on a Husqvarna FC250 is that second gear engine braking is apparent. What's weird is shifting the third gear and I'm off throttle doesn't have as much engine braking as other Japanese manufacturer bikes out there. But the second gear off throttle sensation has a lot of engine braking. So getting your ECU remapped not only will help your bottom in and roll on and RPM response, but it also helps a little bit on the D-cell side, which is important 
to setting up for your corners, especially in heavy dirt, sand, stuff like that. So that's what I recommend doing. You know, we could always talk about doing engine work, and we will talk about that in this podcast about this other bike. But for me, I'm trying to give you guys options out there that don't require a lot of money. And for me, a remap of the ECU is fairly inexpensive. Of course, we can go to a Vortex, which is great. If you have that money, awesome. I would definitely recommend that. That is one of my go-tos for uh, anything Husqvarna-related as far as moto. Putting a Vortex ECU on this thing makes this bike have more power everywhere. It's not just one specific area. For me, the Vortex ECU just brings more excitement. It makes the bike more playful. It makes it feel a little bit lighter. It has less diesel braking. There's a lot of benefits going to a Vortex box. There's less parameters in a Vortex box than there is a standard OEM box. So they can do more things with it. And for me, and for what I've experienced over my time with this bike, is that it doesn't hurt reliability as much as going to do some engine mods. Yes, of course, when you're cutting the rev limiter off a little bit higher, um, you're doing some things to advance the ignition and doing some things to um, the fuel, you're going to alter the Husqvarna warranty slash recommendation for um, maintenance intervals and things like that. But I have ridden the crap out of a FC250 with the Vortex ignition, and it has held up very well. So that is one thing that I recommend for you guys that have money. And if you don't, and you want to get split that difference and get some of that benefit, a Remap ECU really does help this thing. Now, let's talk about mufflers. What have I experienced with mufflers? This is a touchy subject with me because a lot of you guys out there simply just slap on a muffler because it's lighter, it's titanium, it looks cool, and we're in business, right? Well, you're completely wrong. Most... I'm not saying all. Most manufacturers, muffler manufacturers, try to dyno their pipes and push them out as soon as they can so they could sell them, which I understand. I get it. The demand is high for that stuff. The consumer out there wants shiny, new, lighter things. But that doesn't necessarily mean it works better on the track. I went back-to-back with the stock, the FMF, and Akrapov. How do you say that damn word? Akrapovich. I always get messed up on that word because they get mad. Uh, Akropovich always gets mad when we say it wrong. So Akropovich and FMF. I did manage to try a couple more, but these two mufflers really stood out to me. The FMF, without the insert in, this is really important to listen to, guys. When you get an FMF muffler, it doesn't come with the insert in. You will see this little stapled bag with an insert with the spark arrestor stapled to your cardboard, wrapped around your muffler. Keep that thing. Do not throw it in the trash. It's just not a spark arrestor. Trust me on this. Husqvarna's like back pressure. Without that piece inside, it does lose a little bit of a bottom end, and you will gain more mid-range. Now, install that piece, get that insert inside your FMF 4.1, and guess what happens? RPM response comes back up. Bottom end comes back up. So now you're getting about the same amount of bottom end as stock, but you're getting better RPM response, especially low end. So you guys really got to decipher. You guys got to know what the difference between low RPM response and bottom end pull is. RPM response is the crack of the throttle in 
a specific RPM range. We could be talking low, mid, top. There is an RPM response in every range. The FMF with the insert in helps RPM response. Now, with the insert in as well, now you're getting that mid-range pull that is better than stock, along with a little bit better top-in pull and a little bit less over-rev. I'm happy with that. This thing revs out so good anyway that I would like a little bit more meat on the front side of this power curve. And this is what this FMF can do as long as you have the insert in. So I would recommend leaving the spark, spark arrestor slash insert in for most type of MX conditions. Uh, I went to a sandy track, went to a tight ruddy track. For me, insert in works better. The Kropovich already has... If you guys really look inside of this thing, it has a uh, insert already in. It almost looks like a turbine or a spark arrestor screen inside of that thing. Do not try to cut this out. Do not uh, remove the Allen bolt and try to remove that insert in. Do not do that. Leave it in. Leave it how it comes. You're going to get, like I said, as good bottom-in response, really good mid-range power. I think it's a little bit better than FMF and even better top-end than the FMF. To me... Quieter muffler, it sounds bitchin'. Uh, quality made stuff. Akropovich, man, they really know how to build beautiful systems. I really wish they had some more contact here in America because it is tough to get a system here in the United States, guys. Like, I had to go through a dealer that had one to let me try one because I can't even get a hold of anybody to test their products. It's super tough to get. So, um, but nonetheless, very good. I know Husqvarna has them on their website. You can go to your local dealer. You can get them through there. But light systems, quality made, better overall power. Those are the two systems that I would recommend for you guys listening out there. And look, I'm not going to sit here and say it's not cheap. The Kropovich stuff is expensive. FMF, not as much. But both are, you're still looking at eight to $800 to $1,000, which is a lot of money. So um, I get it, but I'm just trying to point you guys in the direction where you can get a little bit more meat and pull out of this engine because this is where it needs it. Uh, let's move on to the suspension side of things. If you're working with the AER fork and the WP shock, I had a couple different guys ride this thing and try to dial this sucker in so we could get you a setting for your specific weight. Now, if you're around 150 to 170 pounds, Air pressure should be 10.4 bars, which is stock, all right? Your compression, 10 clicks out. Rebound, 10 clicks out. That is for 150 to 170. So hopefully you guys got your pen and pencils and your paper. Have those things out. Write this down. Fork, 170 pounds to 190 pounds. If you're 195, still run this. Um, I didn't have a rider over 200 pounds, so um, sorry for you guys listening that are 200, but... You can try this setting, see if it works. Air pressure, 10.6 bars. Compression, 14 clicks out. And rebound, 11 clicks out. This is with your stock AER fork. Moving on to the shock, 150 to 170 pounds. Sag, 105. High speed compression, 1.5. Low speed compression, 14 clicks out. And rebound, 11 clicks out. 170 to 190 pound shock setting. Again, 105 millimeters of sag. One and one corner high speed compression. 12 clicks out in the low speed compression. And the rebound should be 13 clicks out. That, those settings, guys, right there, 
will give you a good baseline setting where you can push a little bit, remain comfortable on the bike, but the bike does the same stuff every lap. This is the best direction that I came up with that you guys can go to. And then you guys can hit me up on my email. Let me know how that works for you. But I would say for most 99% of you guys out there, if I publish something or if I'm talking about it, it should work for you guys. Of course, if you guys are running some adverse conditions or something special that I haven't even ridden, maybe uh, the settings will be a little bit different. But for stock stuff, this is the direction to go. Do I recommend doing a spring conversion kit? If you guys have $1,500 or if you want to go to a cone valve, of course, that is the way to go. For me, having a fork that has a spring coil in it gives you more consistency. It doesn't change over the course of the day. And for me, I get more front wheel traction. But with the stock settings that I recommended here, I had pretty good front end traction, even at tracks with a little bit looser of uh, entrance. So if you have some hard pack with some marbles, on top, this still gives me a good enough amount of front-end traction where I have some confidence leaning the bike over. And of course, the 250, it's not that difficult to turn. It makes it really easy to, to corner when you have some front-end traction, especially if you don't have technique that is like Roxon. You have some struggles in the corners. Being a front-end steering rider really helps that situation, and having some front-end comfort does that. So um, that's my recommendation for um, the suspension. Um, I guess I didn't mention fork height. Fork height should be stock at all times, which is the second line up. That is not a huge issue. Um, I've experienced a little bit of things when I dropped the fork. Um, faster tracks, I liked some of the stability that I got, but it really hurt the entrance and corners. So I ended up going back to stock, the fork height, and it was just more of a happy medium for me. So I liked that feel. Uh, again, for me... Balance is key on suspension. You guys are able to get, if you're 190 pounds, you're able to get 105 millimeters of sag on this. Trust me, because I had a bigger guy get it, and he was able to. And uh, so you should be able to pull 105 millimeters of sag without an issue. Uh, moving on to, uh, let's say we want to do gearing. Let's see if you guys were out there say, hey, what about gearing, Kiefer? Here's the thing. Third gear is a beneficial gear. You guys might have heard me talk about this in other podcasts, so this could be a broken record. But for those of you who are new to this podcast and are listening, it's easier to ride fast, and it's easier on your body to ride in third gear. Third gear is what I like to call the Quan. The Quan, for you guys know that Jerry Maguire saying, the Quan is the perfect way or the perfect uh in this scenario, perfect gear. Why? Second gear will get you out of corners in a hurry. Don't get me wrong. It'll snap out, you know, get you out in a corner, but you will have to shift fairly soon once you're out of a corner. Creates more work for you. Binds up the rear shock. Maybe it gets you a little bit of deflection coming out of a corner. Maybe it squats too much in the rear. Third gear, a little bit less hit. Gets you out of the corner, maybe not as quick initially, but it's smoother, it doesn't load the suspension, you get more rear-wheel traction, and that, in time, guys, you will see this, will provide you with a lap time that is much quicker than if you're in, the, if you're in second gear. If you guys are curious, watch a guy like Jason Anderson, since we're talking about Husqvarna's, really good about staying 
really low in the RPM range. Why? Because he's in a higher gear. And it doesn't matter what size bike you're on. If your bike can pull third gear, do it. So how do we achieve this on this bike? What we do is we go to a 1352. Okay? Try a 1352. See if you can run third gear in corners. And if you are lugging in a little bit coming out, fan the clutch just a titch. That's right, a titch. And you should be able to recover, a.k.a. engine recovery, right? Get that sucker back in the meat of the power and get you down the straightaway in a quicker manner. Now, maybe the next lap, try second gear and see what it does to the rear suspension and see how you come out of a corner and see how your technique is. I can almost guarantee your technique will be better if you ride in a higher gear. So just pay attention to what gear you're in, and this 1352 gearing will help. I always tell people, like, Kiefer, what about the chain length? I'm getting new sprockets and chains. I always buy 120 link chains. I have a chain breaker. I put my new gearing on. I cut to the desired length. Where do I want that rear wheel? I want my rear wheel somewhere in the middle to the back of the marks. That's where I like it. This is where this bike likes it the most. You'll get stability. You'll get a less harsh feel on D-cell bumps. And you will remain planted. It'll corner better, even though that wheelbase is longer, because you can get in the corner better because it's more planted. I can't stress this enough. On paper, things look different. Trust me. Kiefer, yeah, it's a longer wheelbase. How does it corner better? Look, I'm not an engineer. I'm not the smartest guy you know, on the block, but I know what bikes feel like when I'm riding. And I can guarantee you, I've puzzled many engineers in my time because I can say, look, the bike does something better, even though on paper it's not supposed to. Well, in this case, the wheelbase is longer. So why is this bike leaning better? Why do I feel like I have more front-end traction? Well, for me, it's because that wheelbase is longer. I'm getting in the corner better because the bike remains planted over these bumps that I'm trying to get go over. So... Again, middle to the end of the marks on the swing arm. And if you guys are really cool and really want to get some more rear wheel traction and not a binding sensation, go get yourself a Works Connection Elite uh, axle block kit or a Ride Engineering uh, axle block kit. Both of them do the same thing. Ride Engineering comes with an axle. Works Connection doesn't. Nonetheless, what we're trying to achieve here is getting rid of that fixed left side axle block. I do not know why Husqvarna and KTM does this, but they do. That thing is fixed. So you got to get a vice and you got to get that sucker out of there or ride engineering. You just get a whole new axle and you can just slam it in. And that way that left axle block is floating. And then when you're under load and you're on the gas and your ass is on the rear of the seat, that swing arm slash axle area is not binding up because you don't have that fixed piece on there. Trust me, it's a little little things like that. It's little things like that that really make a difference. And people think factory engines are just blazing. Dude, so fast. Like, it's insane. They're not. You'd be surprised how not fast they are. What factory bikes do is handle well. 250, 450. It doesn't matter. They handle well. If I could take a slower bike, not slow, but a little slower of a bike and have a chassis that's planted and corners well, I'm all in on that. Forget the fast stuff. Um, another little trick, too, to help some cornering, maybe get you guys some front-end traction. Torque spec, 
on your stock triple clamp. Now, I would recommend going to the Husqvarna factory clamp, which is similar to the KTM hard part clamp. Same thing, different color. But what that clamp does is prevents binding of the fork when flexed, when compressed. It also allows for a a better tightening tolerance, so you can probably run uh, a higher torque spec without binding the fork as it's compressed. I know these stock forks are little, our stock triple clamps are a little bit rigid stock. I think Necken makes these things, which is par for the course on some of their stuff. But nonetheless, um, if you guys can't go to that factory triple clamp, you guys can do this torque spec. So torque spec on the top clamp is 17 newton meters, which is obviously stock. But going to 9 newton meters on the bottom clamp really helps improve flex and feel of the front end especially if you're running an AER fork. These are the little things that I stumbled across while testing, guys. And actually, other people feed me information from inside of Husqvarna. These are the things that are important. Little things. This thing won't even cost you money, and you'll be able to feel this kind of front-end traction because of a torque spec. Torque specs are huge. Don't just go around your bike tightening them up what you think is right. There's a manual. Go off the manual. Everything is torqued to a specific manner to make your bike handle, especially parts that are attached to your fork or shock or your engine or your frame. Very important. I'm not saying you got to torque your clutch perch bolts or your seat bolt or things like that, but things that are important like your engine mounts, your triple clamps, your axles, your pinch bolts, things like that. Those are important to really pay attention to and get that torque spec in the right area. And of course, you guys know this, going to the black throttle cam is important. It comes stock with that gray one in there. Go to the black throttle cam, and that will help you. Um, for me, it gets more connection from the throttle to the rear wheel. It doesn't feel so disconnected. It's not as long a pull as the gray throttle. So go to the black throttle. If you guys don't know what that means, you can simply go buy a pair of ODI lock-on grips because that what comes with the Husqvarna. And when you get that package, you open it up, and there is three different cam colors, cams, throttle cams that are inside of that little plastic package. It's one's black. It's a black one. Put that sucker on, connect your cables, and boom, you are connected to the rear wheel better. Voila. Gracias. Let's talk about engine mount since we touched on that a little bit. Everyone needs to calm down. Everyone needs to calm down on the engine mount bandwagon. I will say I have tried engine mounts on certain bikes that work very well. But that does not mean everybody needs engine mounts. I cannot believe how many people are just buying engine mounts and they're just fucking up their their whole chassis. Look, I'll be the first one to tell you I've tried some and they work. But that doesn't mean every chassis is the same. What's good on a Honda doesn't mean it's good on a Husqvarna. Husqvarna does not need engine mounts. The compliancy of the Husqvarna is more than the KTM. Okay, if you torque your engine mounts, and I'm talking slow because this is how passionate I am about this. (laughs) When I get passionate, I talk slow. When you torque your engine mounts correctly... When you have these other little bits and pieces that we've talked about on this podcast 
and you're doing these things such as triple clamp torque, or maybe you got some aftermarket triple clamps, or you're doing this axle block kit, you're creating more forgiveness in this chassis. You're creating more flex. You do not want more than what we already doing, okay? We are not professional dirt bike riders. We are just normal people that go like to ride and try to improve and try to go fast, but we are not these guys that we watch on TV on Saturday nights or Saturday afternoons. These mods that I'm talking about are plenty enough. You'll have more comfort. Trust me, I know how fast I can ride, and I feel like I'm a fairly good rider. I'm not the best rider, but I feel like I ride pretty fast for how old I am. And I'm fairly certain there's enough comfort in this Husqvarna without going to engine mounts. So do not waste your money on engine mounts for this machine, okay? I'm not condoning other machines right now. We're talking about Husqvarna stuff, and I'm telling you guys, FC250 does not need engine mounts. Just back away from it. Get away from the website. Calm down. Focus your money somewhere else. If you guys need to know where you need to focus your money on, hit me up on my email. I'll talk you off the ledge, all right? I'll be your counselor, and we'll discuss other options for you, okay? It's a support group over here. Support group. That's what we are, <laughs> okay? So do not need to go to engine mounts, but you do need a new seat cover because that some bitch will eat your ass up. That's right. You heard what I said. It'll eat your ass up. Man, Husqvarna, come on, man. If there was an ESPN for come on, man, Husqvarna would be on it. Come on, man. Little spikes on that seat cover. Woo! Dude, my little behind can't take it. And I got to have Heather spackle some bag bomb on my butt after I ride a Husqvarna. So go to Guts Racing, get a gripper seat, and uh, your ass will thank me later. Trust me on that. A little, little tip I came across as well. Those Acherby's frame guards are pretty cool, guys. KTM comes with frame guards. They're not that grippy, but if... You go to a Cherubi's website, they have these cool colorways, but they have a, a plastic that has some grip on the side that lasts a longer time, and uh, for me, is fairly good on a steel frame bike. So if you guys are looking for some more grip with your feet when you're pinching, which is key to riding fast, is gripping with your legs, go to Cherubi's website, and you can check out their frame guards, and that'll give you some extra traction on the inside of your boots. So... These are just basic tips that I wanted to go over for you guys. I know it's not that long of a pod, but I feel like these things are very important to at least create this show and uh, give you guys some tidbits that you guys will need to go faster on the track. Now, let's talk about this Pro-Am bike that I ride. You balling out? You got some money? Just burning a hole in your pocket? And you don't want engine mounts? Let's do some engine work. You hear these notes, guys? Pages of notes from when I rode this bike. Jalik Swole is an amateur sensation at Husqvarna. He killed Loretta's. He went and rode a couple nationals after Loretta's. Basically, the engine that I rode is the same one that he had going into the amateur nationals, going into these uh, last couple AMA Pro nationals. And man, it is a fun bike to ride. And I will say this again. I've said it before. Having a fast 250 is the most fun thing to ride. Not a two-stroke. Two-strokes are fun, but not this fun. This FC250 keeps its, I would like to say, production character, okay? 
So it still has a lot of the production characters, smooth throttle delivery, um, easy to ride, a lot of rear wheel connection, but now we're enhanced. Now we got more meat. Now we got more pulling power. So now I still have that smooth character, but dude, there was a section on a track that I tested at that required you to come over this uh, left-hand turn, you had to double, and then you had to get down into it and triple out. The stock 250 wouldn't allow me. Actually, none of the 250s that I rode recently allowed me to triple out. Having this 250, this Pro-Am B-Spec engine, was fun to ride, guys. Basically, all it had was, I shouldn't say basically, because it has some work done to it. Had a heavier crank, head ported, high compression piston, uh, 350 transmission, which we can discuss a little bit, uh, heavier clutch springs, uh, some different clamps, of course, and it had these brakes. It had uh, these things that I'm mentioning that you can probably get at your local dealer, and you can look at on Husqvarna's website. So front brake piston size, 9 is stock. They had size 10 piston size in there. And let me tell you, dude, I never thought Brembo's could get any better. But, dude, this front brake was insane. So much power yet so forgiving, and what I mean by that is I can drag my front brake in these shallow ruts here in the West Coast. Some of you East Coast guys can't understand that, but I need to keep my front wheel in, and it's so easy to modulate. It's not grabby, but yet when I need to stomp on it and really grab the brake and get stopped, dude, I can come in the corners so hot with this piston size, and I'm pretty damn sure from what I was told is you can get that at your local Husqvarna dealer, which is awesome. Um, they had a 1352 gearing on this as well. They had different axle blocks, of course, a Vortex ignition, and they ran Pro 6 fuel. In the grand scheme of things, guys, it's not a whole lot in the world of engine building. I've tested engines in other bikes that have way more stuff on them and wasn't this good. So my recommendation to you, if you're going to have some money and you wanted to get some work done, these are the things you guys should do. And having that head ported with that heavier crank and a high compression piston right there, holy crap, man. What the character is, I can roll out a corner in third gear without any issues. I can come out of that third gear. It acts like I'm in second gear because it has so much pickup and delivery, right? And I can hit jumps, no problem, and I can almost not have to shift around the whole corner. Um, similar to a 450. So you can ride it 450-ish, but yet now you're dealing with a bike that's super light, super reactive. No problem from direction change. If I want to change lines, that's super easy to do. Basically just gave me a really fun feeling around the track that gave me freedom. Freedom, I won't let you down. Freedom. I will not give you up. That's what my mind does. I just go to song when I hear some things. But yeah, freedom on the track. It has, if you guys are out there on a track, you're like, you're locked in your line, okay? I'm locked into my line because my bike only allows me to go to this place on the track. This is where I feel good. Well, having a light bike with an aggressive motor that is easy to ride allows you to go into different spots in these tracks Okay, on these tracks and expands your variety, which leads to being creative. Um, we watch these riders on the on TV all the time be so creative with their line choice. 
This is what happens when you have an easy bike to ride that handles well. Yes, it had 52-millimeter cone valves on it. It had a stock shock with a heavier spring, but yet still was really balanced. Chances are really low that you can't get, that you can get a 52-millimeter fork. That's only for special people. But nonetheless, what I really wanted to reiterate to you guys and explain to you guys in this podcast is how fun and how easy it is to ride a built Husqvarna FC250. No matter where you go, I have ridden Chad XPR Motorsports KTM 250. Similar engine, maybe not if the same. Fun to ride. Same reaction I had. I got off this bike, got off Chad's bike, and I was like, holy shit. Why don't I have a fast 250 in my shop to ride? I don't. I'm a 450 guy, but why the hell don't I have a fast 250? So I like that when you build an FC 250, it doesn't get so much torque. It gets out of control. It doesn't make it harder to ride because I've ridden Yamahas that have been built. It's just too hard to ride because it has so much damn bottom end. It's insane how much bottom end a YZ250F can have when they're built. The FC250 never feels that way. It always keeps its linear character, just added torque, pulling power, meat, feel. So fun to ride. I wish you guys could all ride this thing. Maybe I should start like a business where I build these 250s and just rent them out for the day for you guys to take like 10-minute motos on them and just really get you going. Because then you'd probably spend your money. You'd be like, oh, thanks a lot, dick. Just made me spend more money because I like this bike so much. So I just wanted to share that with you guys. I was like, and it's really not relevant to what we're talking about with the production bike. But for me, I love talking about dirt bikes. It gets me excited, especially when I like a bike. You guys could probably tell you've been around me long enough, two years or so on this podcast. When I don't like a bike, you can hear it in my voice. I'm just really vanilla. But when I ride something I really love, I'm amped up. I love it. It's like seeing a hot chick. You get all excited, right? So... This built FC250 is fun to ride. But going back to the production side of things, try these little modifications, try these tips, try these tricks, and see how your FC250 reacts. If you guys want more information, you can go to my website. There's a lot more written stuff about the FC250 there. Of course, you can go to Steve Mathis' website, pulpmx.com, and we'll try to cover anything Husqvarna related for you. Last but certainly not least, let's talk about the rider triangle, the bar. We, we wanted to really cover this. To me, I think the stock bar band's a little bit low for my height. For those of you guys who are like 5'6", 5'7", 5'8", that bar band is really good, but you will have to cut those bars down to about 803. That will help you to corner better. And when I say 803, that's millimeters. I'm sure you guys already know that, but just in case you don't. Because they come stock at 811, and to me, it's just too wide. And you would think, once again, on paper, having a wider bar may make you corner better, but that is not the case. 803 is the sweet spot to get you into that corner, to be able to lean, get some leverage. And it doesn't really matter how tall you are between 5'7 and 6'1, 803, 804 millimeters is a great spec for a handlebar. A lot of pro taper bars come 800. That is fine as well. But when you're coming down to it and you're cutting bars down, 803 is a good spec to do. You guys want a little bit taller of a bar? Go to SX Race Pro Taper Evo. If you guys do not like a crossbar, if you like a fusion bar, aka crossbar, SX Race, they have those as well. To me, I'm six foot, 5'11 ish, and I love a SX Race bend. 
There's a couple guys internally at Husqvarna that go to an SX race as well. So that seems to be a really good bend uh, around for most of the people that I've come across with the Husqvarna. So you guys are a little bit disappointed in your cockpit. You think it's a little bit low when you're trying to stand up because that's what I notice. When I'm standing up, I feel like I'm hunched over a little bit because they're so flat and low. I need a little bit more height, a little bit more rise. I don't want an ape hanger bar. I don't want a freestyle bar. Doug Henry Ben, the pro taper Doug Henry Ben's too much. It looks like you have ape hangers. It's not a Harley. It's a Husqvarna. So stick with the SX race. It has an 87 millimeter height, which is, when you look at a bar, for me, I try to go between 86 to 89 height-wise. That's a really good height for me. And I always told you guys in my bar recommendation podcast and in my articles, if you guys want to get some height out of your bar, go to the bar mount. So if you want to add a 5mm spacer to your mount and then get a low bar, perfect. Because that's the best way to do it because you can be able to corner. If you get an ape hanger bar with a lot of rise and a lot of height, your hands are way up in the air and your elbows are bent weird and you can't corner as good. So just know... If you got to get height, get the height from the bar mount and get a flatter, less tall bar. That's my recommendation. All right, guys. Well, I spent, what, 40 minutes talking about FC250. Only uh, a few times that I got hyped up. So hopefully you guys uh, will forgive me for that. But nonetheless, we're going to keep these suckers rolling. We're going to keep this Husqvarna VIP podcast rolling. Next stop, FC350. And then after that, guess what? Two strokes. Oh, two strokes. You guys are going to love that. So uh, thanks, Husqvarna, for letting me do these things. It's pretty fun. I like them. I love the brand. Husqvarna has come a long way. I know that I I actually liked the Husqvarna Rockstar Edition so much, I went and purchased one. So for me to buy a bike when I get free test bikes says something right there. So um, thanks, Husqvarna, for coming on board with this podcast and making cool-ass motorcycles. So it's fun. If you guys have any questions about your Husqvarna, chris at keyforinktesting.com. Happy to help. Give me some time. I'm only one human being. I ride a lot. I type a lot. I talk a lot. Again, one person over here that's running this show. If you guys want some merch, heather at keyforinktesting.com. She can handle that. But the testing, all the testing belongs to me. So... Thank you guys for joining me. If you see me at the track, stop in, say hi. We can chat. I'm pretty much an open book, guys. So stop in, say hey. That's what we're here for, trying to help you guys out there. So thanks for joining me. See you guys soon.